Welcome to Down in the Den. It's your host, Mars, and today we talk about a big weekend in the WWE. But before we begin, as a lifelong Lakers fan, I just want to send out light and love to all of the families of the nine people who lost their lives in that terrible helicopter accident. Definitely a big shout out to Kobe Bean, Brian, and his daughter, Gigi. Uh, we're going to attack this podcast with the Mamba mentality today. So first, uh, big weekend, let's talk about Worlds Collide. There's a lot of pro wrestling out there to consume. WWE has four brands alone. If you include the NXT UK, there's AEW, New Japan, NWA, Impact, Ring of Honor. It's a great, great time to be a pro wrestling fan. And there's something out there for everyone. But for me, my favorite wrestling is NXT. Triple H and HBK and the rest of the folks down there involved in that product have really just been hitting it out the park, in my opinion. I love the storylines. I love the action in the ring. It's not a lot of the silliness involved. It's a little bit more sports-centric and not a lot of the silly comedy aspects that you might see on Raw or SmackDown. So I'm an NXT guy, black and gold all the way. And I've just recently started to look at more of the NXT UK. I'm a big fan of Imperium, Walter down there, Jordan Devlin, and they have some good guys. Acacio Ono does uh, some work down there. So I'm really starting to uh, become a fan of NXT UK. So I was very interested to see Worlds Collide. This was their first branding uh, normally had the takeover events, but Worlds Collide took the Worlds Collide tournament concept and made it into a co-branded special. And it was really, really good. Uh, the opening match was Mia Yim, who I'm a big fan of. I like her. Uh, the head uh, B-I-N-C um, versus Kaylee Ray. And she's the NXT UK women's champion and not a huge fan of Kaylee Ray, uh, but she can definitely go in the ring. And I think it was a really good opening match. The crowd was hot, nice back and forth, quick opener. And, and I give it a seven out of 10. That match was followed by Finn Balor versus Dragunov. I was really curious. I've seen Dragunov before. He had a match with Cesaro and a special that was really good, but I didn't think he was up to the level of someone that should be facing Finn Balor, a former Universal Champion, a veteran who's really, really popular. But it was a really, really good match. And I really think Finn Balor did a fantastic job of getting Dragunov over. He made Dragunov look like a star. He made him look like someone who's on his level that could compete with Finn Balor. And overall, I give that match an 8 out of 10. Very, very good stuff from those two gentlemen. Uh, after that, they had a fatal four-way for the NXT Cruiserweight title. I didn't expect the shocking ending. Uh, it was Swerve Scott, who I'm a big fan of. Travis Banks, I like what he does in the ring. Jordan Devlin, I, I mentioned earlier, he's an NXT UK standout. And then one of my favorite uh, newer wrestlers to NXT, Angel Garza. Garza, of course, I believe he's a third-generation Wrestler comes from the Garza family, and I really like this guy. He's young, he's good-looking, he can go in the ring. He knows wrestling because he's a pedigree. He comes from that family. He has a really cool gimmick that isn't cheesy, but it fits his character. And I was really, really shocked. He just won uh, the Cruiserweight title in a really standout match. In fact, they just re-christened the belt officially to the NXT UK Championship, and he would, I'm sorry, NXT Cruiserweight Championship, and he was just presented this belt. So I figured there's no way they're going to take the title off of him that quickly. There really wasn't even a buildup to this story. And shockingly, Jordan Devlin pulled out the match and won the title. Not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but I was shocked for them to remove the belt off of Angel Garza that quickly. One thing that I'm thinking of, there's so many belts on NXT UK. I'm sorry, NXT. Maybe they wanted to get the Cruiserweight belt over to NXT UK to be defended for a while, and they probably have 
bigger plans, maybe a North American championship run for Angel Garza. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping he doesn't have any heat on him because I really like that kid, and I, I think he has a huge, huge future in front of him. But I gave that match overall a 7 out of 10. It's hard for me to give eight nines and tens to triple threats and four-way matches. They tend to be a bit formulaic. Someone gets hit, and then they're laying out on the outside for five minutes while one or two people go on one-on-one, and then they'll get knocked out and everybody gets their spots in. So I've never been a fan of fatal four-ways or triple threat matches for the most part. But overall, this was a pretty good match. I think they did the best they could with what they had with so little story going into it. And, of course, the title change was shocking. So, overall, I give that one a 7 out of 10. Then the next matchup, we had hashtag DIY, Thomas Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano reuniting for what it feels like the you know 37th time versus Mustache Matt Mountain. And this match delivered. Uh, from bell to bell, those guys have great chemistry. I was thinking, are we going to have a, a turn on Ciampa or a turn on uh, Gargano? Uh, I knew they weren't going to reunite a feud. So I, I, it was just more of an exhibition of two great teams, kind of a dream matchup for those who are fans of the black and gold brand. So it was a really good match, 9 out of 10 back and forth everybody got their spots in everyone looked great everyone looked like superstars so overall really really good match uh that match was followed by tony storm former nxt uk women's championship versus rhea rutley the current nxt women's champion and that match you know i i think they left a little bit on the table They've had really good matches in the past. Tony Storm has defeated, and that was the story going on. She has defeated Rhea Ripley. But Rhea Ripley, she's a new beast. I love her. The fans love her. She has a great look. She looks intimidating. She looks like she can really throw down. It was totally believable when she uh, beat Shayna Baszler. When Shayna Baszler was the champ, I, I really thought that they had painted themselves in a corner because she was such a strong champion i didn't really believe there was anyone as the roster stood on nst that could really legitimately believably beat baszler but rhea ripley bringing her over from uk over to nst was a great idea but i really thought they would have a better match they've had better matches in the past and this one for some reason didn't connect with me i think tony storm is great i think she needed to put a little more stink on some of her punches, she looked a little soft and a little timid sometimes during the match. So I think that's something that when they review the footage, they could overall uh, make improvements on that. But I think this match was really just to exercise the demon that Rhea Ripley had not really beaten Tony Storm uh, previously. And she had a very uh, commanding win. And it was, it was a good match. I give it a 6 out of 10. But I, I think they left a lot on the table and then the main event for worlds collide was imperium who i really really love especially walter versus the undisputed era who has just been a treat as far as a faction for this time i'm glad they haven't broken them up they they work well as a unit and it was everything that you want from one of those matches uh unfortunately a legit injury happened when alexander wolf caught an area kick it looks like he didn't have his chin up and he was not clearly unconscious and uh the one thing i didn't like the ref stopped the pin which you know you're never supposed to do but uh overall the match ended up being a four and three with undisputed era having the advantage but they still ended up putting over imperium and it made them look like superstars and that's what you're supposed to do undisputed era is not hurt by this loss especially as a heel group they can be sneaky and they can get wins back they're so over it did not hurt at all for them to lose this match and uh walter he's a beast i could see him in a year from now if brock lesnar decides to stay around i could see him facing a brock lesnar or drew mcintyre on the main roster very soon he he's believable he's a big 
big guy. He's really believable in everything that he does. But overall, I give the Worlds Collide event, I give that an 8 out of 10. It was really good. Uh, NXT continues to be, in my opinion, heads and shoulders, the best brand in all of WWE. And uh, NXT UK made an argument that they might be the second best brand. So uh, great work for the boys and girls down there. And a great, great event. Sunday, we had the Royal Rumble. Now, the Royal Rumble is honestly my second favorite pay-per-view besides WrestleMania. Uh, In the past, you always see great returns to the company. I remember Mr. Perfect coming back for years from being away for a few years. Uh, British Bulldog coming back. You see a lot of debuts. I remember AJ Styles made his debut, uh, a lot of returns from injury. John Cena had a legendary return from injury early for the Royal Rumble. So I was a little skeptical to what was going to go on with the Royal Rumble match with so many of the competitors already being announced. I believe there was only three slots that weren't announced when the show came on air. So you know there's not going to be too many surprises when you have everyone in it. But I really liked how they did the Royal Rumble itself this year. Now, uh, I'll get into that in a moment. Some of the matches on the Royal Rumble, we we had, of course, your uh, opening matches. We saw Roman Reigns versus Corbin. Uh, I'm sorry, King Corbin. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, Corbin, he's a great heel. He really annoys people. He really gets a response. And, you know, I think he is a really good heel, actually. He doesn't try to be the cool heel, obviously, by, you know, his ring gear and and the silly crown. He doesn't try to be the cool heel. And he also is very believable as someone that can really take anyone on a match. But and he's not bad between the ropes, bell to bell. He can put on a good match. I just don't really have interest in Corbin, and I don't know what it is. He's decent on the mic. He has a good look. He's believable as someone who could really bring physicality. He's decent in the ring. Uh, not bad at all. But I just don't like him. I, I, I don't know why. And it's not the type of heel I don't like. It's just I, I don't like him. He, could, he couldn't be more boring to me. Well, overall, he had a decent match with Roman Reigns. You know, they had a long story behind this they've had time uh roman reigns has of course his blue bloodline with the usos and then of course corbin has his king's court with robert rude and dolph ziggler wouldn't wasn't surprised to see those people getting involved but overall i'm just really over the whole king corbin thing even with them being associated with dolph ziggler and being associated with robert rude it made no sense to me uh, putting d- them together. And I think that's a big problem with WWE, along with them stifling some of their wrestlers with micromanagement. I feel a lot of times the writers in WWE, because they have so much content, they just fail to take the extra step to make the connection. Why is Dolph Ziggler and Robert Rue teaming up with Baron Corbin, what was their relationship? Why, what did they benefit? Those little aspects. And uh, there's another podcast out there, the Busted Open Radio podcast, that I really like and I listen to. And Bully Ray, uh, formerly known as Bubba Ray in the WWE, is one of the hosts. And that guy has a great mind for wrestling, the details. And I really think the WWE could benefit for someone like a Bully Ray, or I've heard Scott Hall has a great mind for pro wrestling, putting matches together. And I know he's done some work with some of the big men down in NXT or Jake the Snake. But they just need one person that's not a television writer, that's not a sitcom writer, that's actually a fan of wrestling and has logic that says, okay, why are we doing this? That's the one thing that's really been missing uh, with the consistency of some of the storylines, the who, what, when, where, why. These things just happen, and then they're dropped a week later. People's personalities shift from heel to face uh, more than a big show. 
So those are some things that I really think could help in the main roster. If you want to say Raw and SmackDown in the main roster, you don't really see those problems at NXT. So I've really always been looking forward to the TakeOver events and now the World Collide events almost better than the actual pay-per-views for most of the year. And these last couple of weeks, especially with the Lana and the Lashley and the Rusev and the now Liv Morgan storyline, it's just been, uh, it's, it's very hard, very hard to watch. But the Royal Rumble, one of my favorite pay-per-views, by far my second favorite pay-per-view by WrestleMania. And I, I was looking at the matches of the lineup and I thought we had some potential. But for me... The Reigns-Corbin match, I give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, they did well. They did adequate. But it's, for me, I just want the storyline to end. I think we all know all signs point to Reigns versus The Fiend at WrestleMania. If I was a gambling man, that's where I would put my money. And I, this match is, and they've done a good job ever since Reigns come back from uh being in remission with his cancer diagnosis. They've done a good job of keeping him away from the WWE title and the Universal title and really building up, building him up slowly and believable so the fans would actually cheer for him because that was the problem with Roman Reigns. He has all the tools, and the fans really loved him, but I feel Vince looked at him as his own personal product and for a time, I know it was rumored that Vince was writing his, during the sucka, suffering succotash era, he was writing the promos for Roman Reigns and trying to make him that funny John Cena white baby meat uh, face. And that is not Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a tough, rugged dude who survived a lot, who he was the assassin. He was the badass in the shield and, and them trying to make him a funny guy or telling jokes didn't work with his character. And I really feel that the whole, all three members of the shield have been fumbled in many ways. Uh, it's the reason why Dean Ambrose now known as John Moxley has left because they really fumbled his character. Reigns has been fumbled. Rollins has been fumbled. And these three we're supposed to be leading the WWE into the next decade. They've already lost one, and they've had to swap out uh, Seth Rollins' character because he was supposed to be the face of the company, and, and they were doing the really corny promos. And and it's simple. Vince wants that clean-cut Johnson or Hulk Hogan prototype, and it just doesn't exist anymore. People like the badasses. People like the Tony Stark-type characters that are flawed, but they fight for good, even though they're not necessarily the best people. It's very few people that can get over. It's just a white meat baby face. Uh, maybe Ricochet is one of the few. Rey Mysterio, obviously. But even Rey Mysterio, they gave with his little pipe, they gave him bringing in Cain Velasquez, they gave him a little bit of aggression. So uh, Vince really needs to kind of lay off that old archetype. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not realistic, and, and fans get over it really quickly. Uh, but after we had uh, Reigns and Corbin, we had the women's Royal Rumble match. And one thing about the women, because they're are not – nearly as many of them you know you're going to get a lot of comebacks we saw kelly kelly make a return we saw molly holly or mighty molly i should say make a return um we saw beth phoenix make a return in the match but overall the women's royal rumble left a lot to be desired there were some good spots and good moments but i really don't understand charlotte winning the royal rumble charlotte is pretty much like John Cena or Rock at this point, where it's believable that she can get a title shot anytime. So she doesn't need to win the Royal Rumble. Charlotte could, if you wanted to put someone in the match, you could have someone win the Royal Rumble and Charlotte challenge him for this spot. And believably, Charlotte could win. She can always find her way in the pay-per-view. We saw that last year where she was shoehorned in the WrestleMania main event. So 
I didn't think she needed this rumble. I would have loved to see Baszler win it, but we'll see where they go with that. I don't believe they're going to have her challenging Becky. That match we've seen a million times. I don't believe they're going to send her back to SmackDown to challenge Bailey. And I really think they're going to lead to a Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. I would love to see Charlotte on NFC, especially with people like Finn Balor making a return. I have no problem with Charlotte going to NXT. And that way you can have a Becky running Raw. You can have a Bailey or Sasha Banks running SmackDown. And you can have a Charlotte running NXT. And there's some great girls that Charlotte hasn't faced. And she's pretty much run through everyone on SmackDown, everyone on Raw. But there's a lot of good matches out there. A Tony Storm, a Rhea Ripley, a... Um, Baszler, if she's going to stay in NXT, I don't know if she will or she'll be making her jump to Raw or SmackDown. But these are matches that people would love to see and would really put a shine on Charlotte. And she can come down there and say, hey, I'm still the queen. You guys are gunning for the queen. Well, I'm not even going to give you an opportunity. I'm coming down to NXT to take you out and put you guys into your place. I think that would be a great look. For WWE overall and something that people would really get behind. So we'll see. I, th- I think she's going to face Rhea Ripley. That's just my speculation. But we'll see how the cookies crumble and we'll see how that turns out. Next match was Lacey Evans versus Bailey. I do like the face turn for Lacey Evans. I always thought she was better positioned as a face, especially with her military history. Um, Bailey is doing a phenomenal job as a heel at first when she got the haircut and changed her music. I I didn't think it was going to work, but Bailey is a very believable heel and she looks like she can scrap. She really can do her thing in the ring. I I wish she got a better finisher. The whole belly to Bailey is, is just ludicrous. But other than that, it was a pretty decent match. I give it a seven out of 10. But I feel they left a little bit of meat on the bone with those matches. But overall, it was pretty good. The next match I was really looking for was uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. I truly believe Daniel Bryan could wrestle a broomstick and put on a five-star match or a 10 out of 10 match. And uh, I haven't seen a strap match in God knows how long. So I was really interested on how this was going to work. And this was a really good, a really hard-hitting, brutal match. Daniel Bryan looked like a superstar. He got a lot of good offense in. They got rid of the annoying red light, which automatically gave the match two more points. I really love The Fiend. I really love Bray Wyatt. I think he's the best thing WWE has had in probably 10 or 15 years. I feel that his character if done right and taken care of, could potentially be the Nets Undertaker. We've heard that before. I feel they are using him a bit much, but I also feel there's so much to go. And one thing that Bray Wyatt, and I understand he has most of the creative control over what he does, and he knows his character, he knows what he wants to do. Bray Wyatt has not forgot about consistency and has not forgot about telling a story. Every match he's had since his character has made sense. He started off with Finn Balor. He had a huge feel with Finn Balor when he was originally going to unveil uh, Sister Abigail, and then he got sick and it didn't go through. But Finn Balor had defeated him soundly, so he got his revenge. And I love how he has the whole hurt, the heel. He ended up changing When he came back, he changed Finn Balor's character completely. He then went on to have a match with Daniel Bryan. He fought Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's character changed completely. He went from the Planet's Champion, long hair, hippie, still somewhat heel, but getting back to more of a face but still had some heelish aspects to him. He was going through this identity crisis when it looked like he was going to have a feud with Shinsuke Nakamura, and he changed or shaved his hair. Re, in, uh, he just reignited that fire in Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan hasn't been hotter since he's returned, and I think a lot of that has to do with Bray Wyatt. 
for a while, Bray Wyatt was also getting cheered. And I don't know if that was just apathy for Seth Rollins or just how phenomenal and neat the character was. But Daniel Bryan has actually got the fans booing Bray Wyatt, and that's what they want. They want him to be that strong, vicious heel. They don't want him to be cheered and selling more merchandise in the face and all of that. Uh, the same thing with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, after facing uh, The Fiend, his character changed. He went from the face to the heel. So I like how everyone he's faced uh, the Miz is another one. The Miz went from the face to heel. They've either been going back to their original way or they're changing in some way or they're flipping character from heel to face, from face to heel. I like that. And Bray Wyatt has such a history with a Roman Reigns, with a Randy Orton, with a John Cena, with The Undertaker. Uh, he can get avenge for those losses and really give these characters a brand new life, a brand new lease. It's a win-win situation having these matches with the fiend and the fiend has done a great job either in his promos or on social media, making everything fit. I'm fighting this guy because he did this. I'm fighting this guy because he did this. Hopefully he can do something with Matt broken Matt Hardy. I think that would be great. Um, I was hoping they would pair Luke Harper with him or something like that. Um, I even hear rumors of Liv Morgan being paired with him, but we see that didn't work out. And maybe he doesn't need anyone. He doesn't have to be the cult follower anymore because he has a whole children's show. But uh, right now he can do no wrong, and it was a really, really good match. It was brutal. The strap brought a brand-new element to it. And overall, I give that match an 8 out of 10. Um, Asuka versus Becky Lynch was another match that I was excited for. Asuka can go. Becky Lynch is on fire, as always, and the storyline was organic. It was natural. It made sense. I was really invested in it. The match itself, however, didn't really deliver to the level that I wanted. I wanted a little bit more brutality. There was a really cool spot where it looked like Becky Lynch had got knocked out. That was really cool. What we saw that was obviously planned. And uh, the whole ending with the green mist going back, it fit, but I felt that for such an intense rivalry, they could have upped the violence a little bit. I would have liked to see a little bit more violence to give Becky Lynch a little bit more edge going into WrestleMania season. I feel that Becky is still uh, super over. That's no doubt. Has she cooled down a little bit? Sure. A lot of that had to do with being paired with Lacey Evans and Seth Rollins for two months after WrestleMania. But I still feel, feel there's a lot that can be done with Becky Lynch. She's great on the mic. She's great on the ring. She has a great look. She's an ass kicker. But she needs another moment like the Nia Jax bloody face moment where she just looked like a a sheer badass where she overcomes some type of adversity. And I was hoping we would get that with Asuka, but uh, no, she got a clean win. She got her tap out. It, she's exercised that demon, but I feel like they left a little meat on the bone with that match as well. Now, after the Asuka-Becky match, we had the Men's Rumble. And let me tell you, the Men's Royal Rumble was the best Royal Rumble I've seen Maybe in my life. Usually the Royal Rumble is always a time for comebacks, and I mentioned that earlier. And You would see the silly people. You would see Mick Foley. Oh, you get a pop for Mick Foley, but we know Mick Foley's not going to win. We know he doesn't have a chance of winning. Or you see a Kevin Nash come back as Diesel for four seconds. Or you see uh, a celebrity like a Drew Carey or something. And that's all fun and dandy, but... Uh, I never felt that was the best way to do the Royal Rumble. I think it should be the best 30, and everyone should be believable in having a chance of winning this Rumble. And this year, I feel they actually did it. Even though we knew it was going to be either Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre or someone like that, uh, Rey Mysterio could win a Royal Rumble. Kofi Kingston could win a Royal Rumble. And having Brock Lesnar actually in the Royal Rumble to be honest, this was the best I've seen Brock since his comeback to the WWE, I believe, in 2012. 
because we got 20, 25 minutes of solid Brock, who doesn't normally work matches like that. He got everyone over. He was dominant on who he was realistically dominant by. And everyone he faced, they had somewhat of a story. Uh, He tied the record for the most eliminations with 13. And how they did it, he eliminated the first 13 people in. And it was really cool because there were just moments where he's in the ring by by himself, looking like a pure monster, grabbing the belt, walking around with the ring and the belt. And people who say Brock Lesnar doesn't care about pro wrestling. No, Brock Lesnar cares about pro wrestling. Brock Lesnar has a PhD in pro wrestling. He has the mind for pro wrestling, but he's also such a huge star and such a believable ass kicker. Do you want to see Brock Lesnar on every Monday Night Raw? Do you want to see him on every SmackDown or every NXT? No, it doesn't make sense. Everyone shouldn't have the right to fight someone like Brock Lesnar. And then people complain, oh, he doesn't defend the belt every 30 days per the rules. It's pro wrestling. It never follows its own rules. And with real combat sports, the champ may fight three times a year. Maybe you, you're not going to see. Floyd Mayweather, when he was champ, defend the belt every week. And I've always hated that about pro wrestling, even though we all know that it's choreographed and the winners are predetermined. Pro wrestling is also supposed to be the art of a fate fight and more sports centric. And of course, Vince McMahon loves his entertainment, and that's why he has more entertainment elements, which are fine. Uh, UFC and mixed martial arts copy from pro wrestling. A lot of real, quote-unquote, legit sports copy from pro wrestling because the pageantry and the presentation is second to none, and that's why I've been a fan of pro wrestling since I was four or five years old. But I also feel it should be a little bit more sports-centric. It should be a little bit more focused on the belts and why these people are focused on the belts instead of people just kind of hanging around doing nothing and I really feel if you focus on the belts and focus on the divisions the story somewhat writes yourself you have your universal title your world title wherever it's your main belt you get 10 people that are ranked from 10 to 1 and their storylines go with each other you pair them up to see who's going to be the number one contender and you go up in the rankings. That's something that AEW does with the rankings. I felt they were going to be a more purposeful with the rankings. I've seen wrestlers that really don't make any sense, get title shots in AEW, which I didn't think, but I always thought if they did that, so you have your world title and you have 10 wrestlers that are vying and they go up and down in the rankings. If you drop out of the top 10, You might go into the Intercontinental or U.S. title rankings, and you have 10 wrestlers that are focusing to work themselves up the rankings. The stories tell yourself. You get your tag teams. You have your your set tag teams like the Authors of Pain, or you have your set tag teams like the Viking Warriors, or you have your set teams like the O.C., and then maybe some of the other wrestlers that don't have anything to do. They can be paired into teams and you have 10 teams vying for the tag team belts. WWE has been terrible for tag team wrestling for years, and they really have some of the best tag teams, and they've had some of the best tag teams, but obviously it's a toy that Vince doesn't like to play with. So you always end up with these weird tag team championships, uh, tag teams. And Seth Rollins, unfortunately, has been a part of that, most of the time, you see him currently as the tag team champions with Buddy Murphy when the other two people in the stable are actual established tag team. It makes no sense to me. They've paired him with uh, Dean Ambrose. They've paired him with uh, Jordan uh, before. And he's always with these weird uh, partners, wins the belt, and it goes nowhere. And, and he shouldn't be going for the belt. He's definitely someone that should be in the world title pitcher at all times. So I don't like how they use the tag team belts more as a prop instead of, hey, this is a world championship. The tag team belts are the world champions for tag teams. So they really need to give more respect to the division. Same thing with the women's division as well as the women's tag team. 
I feel if they focus the stories around that and the actual fight and the stories going on the ring instead of things like the whole Lana and every now and then you can have a grudge match, but the grudge match should be because of something that happened in the ring. You injured me in this match. That's why I have a grudge with you. Or you cost me this match. That's why I have a grudge with you. It should always be focused about what's going on in the ring and the focus to be the champion. And I feel if they use that simple element, the WWE could be elevated. And you see that a lot more for the most part on NXT and AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling with WWE that focus more on the entertainment portion. But overall, the Royal Rumble, I'm understanding that Bruce Pritchard and Paul Heyman had a lot to do with the Royal Rumble. It was one of the best Royal Rumbles I I ever saw. I, I've, and as I've mentioned, I've been a wrestling fan for well over 30 years. And it, it was one of the best Royal Rumbles. The rest of the pay-per-view, I was a little worried. There were some ups and downs with this Royal Rumble. You started off with Brock, and then Elias comes out. He does a sacrificial lamb song. He does his guitar stick. He's eliminated in no time. And then after that, you see, and I, I can't remember the particular order, but everyone that came out to face Brock had some type of storyline. I believe second was Eric Rowan. Aaron Rowan comes in, he gets a few hits, he's out. And then from Eric Rowan, I believe we had uh, Kofi Kingston or Rey Mysterio, but obviously they had their history and they teamed up together. And then you see Big E comes out, and then there's Rey, Big E, and Kofi Kingston in the ring, all with their problems with uh, Brock Lesnar, and they got their offense. And you don't just have to stay in the ring. Sometimes with Royal Rumbles, they tend to have – 12, 13, 14 people in the ring at the same time, and people are just kind of hitting each other in the corner. And and the way they did it, everyone had a moment to shine. Everyone in that uh, had a moment to shine. The Miz, John Morrison, they all come in, and none of these guys realistically would believe they're going to beat Brock. They had some moments, and uh, overall, it was just well done. And then you have Keith Lee come out. And Keith Lee got over. He is over. He is ready to go. I know they just made him North American champion. And honestly, if he's not the NXT champion by TakeOver, I I don't know what's, what Triple H is doing. This guy is over. I feel he's, he could be on the main roster. I feel he can be a, a huge star if they let him do what he's been doing and push him in the right way. Uh, Not down people's throats and work his way up. Have a huge feud with the North American uh, Championship. Defend that three or four times. And then, you know what? Go into uh, TakeOver before WrestleMania as the champion versus champion match versus Adam Cole. Book it. it. It's money. It's an ATM machine for just views and I think he should have a lengthy lengthy reign as the NST champion uh, before maybe going on to the main roster and doing something else but Keith Lee he's a superstar he's ready to go he had a great moment uh, we saw one shocking return MVP that was really cool uh, when you hear this music and Brock's dancing in the ring that was really good but everyone uh, that was in the match was either a former champion or someone that could believably be a champion, Cesaro, etc. And it was just really well done. But my highlight, besides the finish, was Edge. It had been rumored a while back that Edge had been medically cleared. They said he had went to Pittsburgh, got cleared. I I thought that there was some truth to that, even though he had denied and said, no, I'm not cleared. What made me believe that there was some truth to that rumor is when he had that spear with Elias. He's been gone since 2011, nine years. And in that time, he's made several returns. He's been a part of some storylines, but he had zero physicality. I think the closest 
that he had to any type of physicality since he's been retired. He had a segment with Seth Rollins a few years ago where Seth Rollins kind of put his foot on him and threatened him, but he didn't actually touch him. He didn't actually take any bumps. But then you see he gave the spear to Elias. He had never done that before. And I know the WWE does not play about physicality for people that had not been medically cleared. So that led me to believe that there was some facts to the rumors. Also on this podcast, before he uh, stopped doing this podcast with Christian, he said that he could probably do a match. He feels good. And he had I follow him on Instagram. He had been doing a lot of in-the-gym pictures, getting in great shape for what I could only think of, you know, at 46 years old, sure, it's great to be in the best shape of your life, but why? Why are you taking these pictures? So I thought there were some rumors, but then at the same time, it wasn't the type of injury that I thought you could be medically cleared from. Even though I had seen with my own two eyes him deliver the spear to Elias, and I seen with my own two eyes that, you know, he looked like he was getting back in shape and there were rumors the man had spinal stenosis, and the last time I checked, I don't have a PhD, and I'm definitely not a doctor, but the last time I checked, I didn't think there was a cure for that, and I always thought, you know, it was so severe that he had to retire. This is, you know, neck issues or what partially put Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's what made Paige have to retire. I think it hindered Kurt Angle's career before. It's what uh, made uh, Sheamus, besides concussion, uh, potentially have to retire. But then I start thinking, you know what, Seamus is back. I know he had mentioned that he had another surgery. Technology has gotten better. So when I heard his music, let me tell you, Edge is one of my all-time favorites. And I was hoping we were going to have John Cena, uh, but I really think John Cena's days, although it's rumored that he wants to do something at WrestleMania other than just coming in, I think John Cena's days as even a part-time competitor are pretty much over. He's making way too much money in the movies. He's been in a ton of blockbusters, and I really believe if, if he has a standout performance in this Fast and Furious 9, I feel this can be the movie that takes him to the next level where he's you know, just like Batista and just like The Rock where he's turning up. And he's already, you could say he's up there with Batista, at least equal with Batista as far as movies he's been doing. So I I don't think we're going to see too many matches with John Cena. I think he's going to have a retirement match maybe in a year or two. I think he will always be a part of the WWE for big events, but I think he's going to full-fledged movie star. So I wasn't surprised when I didn't see John Cena in the Rumble. But when I see Edge, he looks like in great shape. He looks like the Edge of old, you know, a little grayer, a little more crow's feet, a little more wrinkles, but he looks like the Edge of old. He comes in, he delivers these spears, and I'm like, let's go. Let's go. He ended up being in the final three. And then uh, he was eliminated by Roman Reigns. But even though everyone thought Roman Reigns was going to end up winning it and challenging The Fiend at WrestleMania, They did the right thing. Drew McIntyre needed it. Drew McIntyre has never been hotter than he is now. He legit looks like a superstar. He can go in the ring. He's a young veteran. Even though he's a veteran, he's a young veteran. And he's one of the few people, unlike Seth Rollins, who, you know, don't get me wrong. I like Seth Rollins. I've never been the biggest fan. He was probably my second favorite out the shield uh, when they were together. But... I didn't believe that he can beat Brock Lesnar. I'm sorry, even though he beat him twice, and I don't think anyone's really done that, except maybe The Undertaker, but I believe Drew McIntyre can beat Brock Lesnar, and I believe he will put a great match on with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and I think we're going to have the the year of Drew after WrestleMania. I totally believe that he's going to defeat Brock Lesnar, so Brock Lesnar can go on his annual vacation, and I think, unlike Seth Rollins, because this has been more organic and not pushed down our throat, unless they try to, you know, they already kind of lighten up his personality, which I don't really like. It's cool to show a little personality, but overall, he needs to stay that badass if they don't want the fans to turn on him. If he starts kissing babies and shaking hands, we're going to have a problem. But Drew McIntyre versus Brock, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm already a WWE Network subscriber, so I'm not going to 
say I'll pay to watch that match. But yeah, I'm 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 in for that match. And then we had Monday Night Raw. Uh, so you know Drew McIntyre wins the Royal Rumble. Great, he comes out. I did not like. For him to come out on Monday Night Raw and get over clean on the OC. The OC deserves better. I feel like they've always been just kind of pushed aside. And with, unfortunately, AJ Styles rumored to suffer the injury at the Rumble. I don't see the WWE going to be doing anything with the OC until AJ Styles, their leader, is back. So for him to get over so quickly and so clean over a team that's dominated all across the globe little upsetting, but that seems to be the tradition in the WWE. You bury a legit tag team for one, you know, for a superstar. I've seen Roman Reigns do it. I've seen Seth Rollins do it. It is what it is. Didn't like it, but, you know, what are you going to say? There's still some things that need to be worked out before it gets to where it can be. And Raw started off pretty slow for me. Uh, The Oscar match uh, was, you know, all right. Uh, the Andrade Corello match was pretty good. I think Andrade can is another person that can wrestle a broom and put on a five star match. And uh, I was wondering what was going on with him having the stretcher out and being injured uh, by Corello. But then we've come to find out he failed a wellness uh, drug test, so that's why he's going to be out for the next thirty days. But uh, it's disappointing to see that because obviously you're marrying into wrestling royalties and gays to Charlotte Flair. Uh, WWE is trying to make him the face of the Latino uh, population for WWE. He's doing a good job. I like him a million times better than I like Alberto Del Rio. I'm still a Rey Mysterio fan. I feel Angel Garza could definitely be that guy, but um I'd like Andrade, but it's it's funny when he got popped. And obviously, we don't know what it's for. But I'm going to say some type of performance enhancing, some type of growth, because he's really bulked up since he's been on the main roster. And uh, unfortunately, because there's so much pressure to be a big guy in WWE, we saw with Eddie Guerrero, where he went from this lean cruiserweight to at the end of Eddie Guerrero's career, you know, he's probably 225, 230. Guys, that's too much to be doing. That's too much weight on your body to be doing some of the things they're doing as Luchi Libres. So I guess they're not going to strip the title since he technically defended it in the weird 30-day rule that's only for other belts. But uh, I I would have personally loved to have seen him drop it to someone like Buddy Murphy. Uh, I've already mentioned how I don't like in the whole stable. And I don't think they have a name for the stable with Seth Rollins and his apostles or whatever they're going to be. But I don't like an actual established tag team being in the stable and then the other two guys in the tag team belts. I was hoping they would do something where they would just kind of lay down and give them to the AOP and then potentially uh, have Buddy Murphy in the United States strap, especially if you're going to suspend Andrade for the next 30 days. Andrade can always get the belt back when he returns, but it would have been cool to see the AOP with the tag belts. You see Buddy Murphy with the United States belt, and then Seth Rollins can say, see, look what I've done. These guys were nowhere to be seen on the main roster. They have been gone for months They come under my guidance. I've made them tag team champions. Buddy Murphy had lost three matches in a row to Aleister Black, and he comes to me, and I've made him a United States champion. That would have made more sense, and that would have made more sense when they helped him in the Royal Rumble. Look what he's done for them. It makes sense for them to help him, and then he could have went on to win the Royal Rumble and and challenge the Fiend. It would have been a great turn to time to turn the thing face since a lot of people cheer for him anyway and he could have you know went on smackdown and challenged him uh for the universal title that he lost all of those would have been great options but uh what they've done right now with Seth Rollins, i don't know what his wrestlemania is going to look like right now it looks like it's probably going to be kevin owens 
But um, I don't know what his WrestleMania is going to look like. And I still feel that there's some work to be done with his character. I think he needs to go look at some tapes of when CM Punk and the Straight Edge Society. And we need to put a little bit more believability in why these guys are joining them. Why is he such a great leader? What is he doing to really help them? Uh, but overall, Raw was, yeah, I give it a meh, which was upsetting coming off such a great Royal Rumble. But the last segment, the last segment was worth its weight in gold. The last segment with Edge, already the emotion from Edge, and then Randy Orton comes out, and then Randy Orton does what Randy Orton does best. He does what a snake is going to do. And he snaps, and the physicality, the story is already there. That's a WrestleMania main event. They always say WrestleMania can have multiple main events. That's a WrestleMania main event right there. It makes perfect sense. Edge was truthful. He was emotional. He He's one of the best on the mic ever, one of the best on the ring ever. And I feel this is going to bring a lot of spark. I was hoping that we were going to see a John Cena return for maybe a John Cena versus Edge at WrestleMania. But I'll take a Randy Orton versus Edge at WrestleMania. Absolutely, I, I will take it. Either one of these guys can afford to put the other over. I feel Edge is going to come over. Ultimately, I don't think we're going to see Edge. Well, we know we're not going to see Edge in a full-time manner. But I could see him maybe having, you know, four or five big matches a year. But at the same time, Vince is known. If you're clear, you're clear. No matter the level of physicality that Edge has taken thus far, I think they're going to see how his body feels. But if he feels good, he, he might end up, wrestling more than he anticipated they already said daniel bryan does and daniel bryan has taken a few breaks since coming back but he daniel bryan since being cleared a year or so ago he's been pretty much every pay-per-view every smackdown he's been there so hopefully they they don't do that with edge Edge is a little bit older phil's injury was a little bit more serious and i, I would hate to see something happen to him i'm not even going to put that in the in, atmosphere not even gonna put that in the air but i'm all for edge versus randy orton at wrestlemania and that segment was the best segment i've seen on raw for years so uh yeah that was a wwe review the very first episode of uh talking about pro wrestling on ditd and um we're gonna have some more but yeah it was an awesome week in pro wrestling and uh in the comments let me know what you thought was the best event this weekend, what you liked about Raw, what you liked about Worlds Collide, what you liked about a Royal Rumble, and as always, deuces.